0: Because, you know, and Pastor Simone said it, but um, it's bare repeating and saying it again, that the word Corona means crown. And so, you know, what that reveals to me is that there is a fight. And, you know, Jesus talked about it, that at the end of the time, and it's found in Matthew 24, verse 7, it said that there would be nation against nation and kingdom, singular, against kingdom. And right now what is happening is that there is a clash and there is a war between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness. And that coronavirus is nothing else than a tool in the hand of of the enemy to try to exalt his strategy, to exalt his kingdom and to declare that yes, the devil is king. But you know, the interesting thing, it really is an affront against God and his kingdom. You know, unfortunately, people, some people are getting sick. Some people have died. This is never, never, never the will of God. And I'm going to set the record straight right here. It is not God's judgment upon the earth. Let me tell you something. When God's going to judge the earth, you're not going to scratch your head and wonder if it is. It's going to be evident. But what it is, it is only an affront from the kingdom of darkness against God and the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God. Every time through time. You see, even look at the book of Job. It was not against Job. The attack. What happened was not against. It was against God and His kingdom. What happened? You remember Daniel in Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I like. I heard Jesse Duplantis say one time, "My shack, your shack, and a bungalow." We might as well laugh a little bit. And so, what is it? No, it's on. Let me see. Okay, so let's get back up. Where was I? Just wanted to check to see if you were paying attention. (laughs) But, But here is the thing. You remember when Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon and he erected a statue, and he said, everybody has to bow down to it. Corona is no different. It's a different form of, of, of statue. And the enemy is trying to get people to bow down, to, to worship the statue. Let me tell you, and I've, I'm so pleased with you all. I'm so excited because look, you all here. But you see, I love when, when, when in Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar commended everybody to bow down to the statue. You know, today's no different. You know, talking about it all the time, looking at the news 24-7 to see what's happening about Corona, talking about it, thinking about it, wondering about it. It's no, it's a form of worship. It's a form of att- attention. Why? Because it is being magnified. What you talk about, what you magnify, what you think about, it's a form of worship. So, here is the question. When Daniel was commended, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were commended to bow to that statue, how did they respond? Well, king, we have no need to talk to you. In another word, they said, we're not going to give you the time of the day. We're not going to give you any attention. So my question to us this morning, how, uh, uh, how is the church supposed to respond? It's silent this morning. How is the church supposed to respond to that pressure, that spirit of fear and intimidation that Corona or the enemy behind Corona is bringing, saying, you need to pay attention to that, you need to worship, you need to talk about it, you need to think about it, you need to constantly, uh-uh, how are we going to respond? Well, you know something that I, to me, because, you know, we, 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 you know there is the world, and the world is going to think a certain way, it's going to talk a certain way, it's going to act a certain way, yeah, but I'm talking about the church, yeah, I'm talking about the body of Christ. And, and 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 when I look, you know, for you know, when it started for a little while now, and I just didn't see anything. I didn't put much of anything on my uh, on my social media, I didn't, you know, preach about it or talk to a, I just kinda stayed low and listen and watch and just check. And I noticed that something is really out of proportion. When you see the way they have taken corona. And that virus that is happening, you can tell that there is something that is blown so much out of proportion. And you realize that there is something behind. There is a strategy behind. It is just beyond the physical world, uh, beyond just the epidemic. So we need you and I to, to, to watch and listen and discern and see what's behind it. And see that... Yes, there is stuff happening in the natural, but you know there is always stuff in the spiritual. And that's what you and I need to pay attention. Because to me, it is so out of proportion what they've done with the corona. All over the world, it's like everything is stopped. Travel has stopped. Church has stopped. Everything is stopped. People are going into a panic mode, going here and there and... And I'm thinking, what's going on here? And here is something else. Because the enemy, how does he work? You see, he's not gonna come up front saying, wow, here I come. He's gonna always come in camouflage. He's got his own fatigues. He's only, he's got his own disguise and camouflage. And you know, very often in order to bring his plan and his strategy, he will camouflage it with compassion. Camouflage is with we want to take care of the people. We love the people. We want to take care of the people. You know, I mean, socialism, communism, that's how they do it. They come with social reform. They come with social things to try, because we love the people. And then with it, bam, what will they do? They will try to get control. That is what's behind Corona. It's, it's, it, let me say, you know what I think? And I believe... That they are setting, the enemy is setting a precedent. He's setting a precedent for what he wants to do in the near future. He's setting a precedent of saying, okay, let's see how much people are willing to to lay down. And how much people are willing to let go of their freedom. Because you see, that's how the... Look at... Oh, you're going to get me preaching something else there. I'm feeling the pooling. But if you look at every dictator, whether it's Hitler, Castro, Lenin, uh, any dictator in the communist and the socialist mindset, they will come with good reforms, with good things for the good of the people. But then little by little, what will they do? They will get people's freedom, one by one. And then people, because it's progressive, people, and it's, you know what they'll do? They'll create. They, that's what Hitler did, did. He created a chaos, a crisis. He created something so big that people, in that mode of fear and panic, all of a sudden were willing to let go of their freedom and their rights in order to gain some kind of Security, some kind of, of order, some kind of peace. That strategy has been from the beginning of time and it's still the same. And, and that's what I see. I see that there is a precedent, a preparation for what the Antichrist is wanting to do in the future. And so how is the church going to react? How is it, I would say, respond? Because we should never react, but we should always pause and respond. And so the first thing that I want to say is, and, and I know that your pastor, I love that woman. Amen. And I can tell the atmosphere in this place. It's not an atmosphere of fear and panic. It's an atmosphere of faith. Amen. Amen. So I know she probably already addressed that. That we are not to bow down and to, to, to bow down to that spirit of fear. Because you see, and, and that 's why it 's important with you and I in this moment where we are being bombarded with everything about corona, we have got to learn to starve that fear because what you feed will grow, what you starve will die. So you see, if we spend so much time in front of the TV, watching the news or watching what what 's going on, the progress of corona and this and that. It's gonna feed that spirit of fear because what's coming from the media today? It's nothing else but a, 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 a fear feeder. Do you know what I'm saying? And you already, I'm preaching to the choir because you are here today. You know that that and the thing is when you know you you want to know the greatest way to catch corona. How many of you know wants to know how to catch corona? Yield to fear, because fear will always open the, the, the door for the work of the enemy. I, it reminds me one time, I was, you know, in my backyard, spending time with the Lord, reading my Bible, and all of a sudden we have a guy that comes and cut our lawn lawn and do our, our stuff. And, and he came here and he got out of his, his, you know, lawnmower to talk to me, but he stayed at a, at a, a quite a distance. And I said, how you doing, buddy, and stuff. And he said, oh, don't come close. He said, my whole family has been sick for weeks and weeks. I am like, and that is very contagious. Don't come close. And you know, usually I would get, ah, forget about it. No, let me go and pray for you. But for an instant, I just had that fear kick in. And I yielded to it. I just like, well, it's probably wise. So I just kind of stayed away. You know, the next, I mean, he was far. The next day, I started having those symptoms. I thank God that, I mean, I handled it quickly. And I told it where to go. And, you know, by the end of the day, it was completely gone. But it showed me something that when we yield to that fear and we feed that fear, that's the best way to open the door. And that means that for you and I, we are going to have to not only starve the fear, but we're going to have to feed our faith. And you know, let me add this, because I remember, you know, when I, I, I started as a missionary many, many years ago, I think it was like 27 years ago, I was getting ready to go to India. And so, you know, everybody had a piece, had a piece of advice for me. Everybody had to tell me, you know, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. And it sounded, it was wisdom. It sounded good. It sounded wise. It sounded reasonable. And so here I go, I go to my little Walmart with my card and I'm pushing it around. And I'm taking this because, you know, this and the water and this for that. And and all of a sudden I hear the Holy Ghost says, are you planning on getting sick? And I'm like, well, no, Lord. He said, yes, you are. Look in your card. And I went, oh my gosh. And their Holy Spirit showed me and revealed to me that what we say, what we do, our action, will either be motivated with fear or with faith. And what we call the world wisdom is most of the time motivated by fear. And so we've got to be very discerning you and I, in these last days, not to fall into the trap of the world wisdom, but to listen to the Holy Spirit and check our heart. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I in fear? Why am I in faith? I know some of the things that I'm saying might just bother some of you. But it's okay. Because... I believe that in this time we are in, we need to pause and know where we stand at the body of Christ. Are we going to yield and be in fear and do things, you know, motivated by fear? Or are we going to do what we do motivated by faith? There is a big difference. And, And let me say something here. Glory to God. that we have to really watch not to fall into that trap of panic that the world is into. And I talk about, you know, just the other day, Fred saw a guy, I mean, he was filling a huge tank in this back, the back of his car with gas. Somebody else, I mean, they were going, you know, it was like in the store, it was like you could sense and see that panic mode. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be I mean, wise in the sense, wisdom comes from the Holy Spirit, and you know the way I like to do it. Whatever I do, whether it's go and get stuff, and it's like Holy Spirit. Let you know, knowing the Holy Spirit is there is a peace, there is a a a leading of the Holy Spirit to do some things. It is not fear leading us to do some things. And you and I, we, we it's like. We've got, it's a training ground for us right now. To say, okay, how are we going to act? How are we going to talk? How are we going to respond? Amen. And we got to watch for some of those. And you know, it is a time, not only we don't restore the fear, we've got to feed our faith. And our faith comes from the word of God. So you know, it's the best time to shut down You know, the news, you might want to catch a little bit, you know, here and there, maybe on through the internet, but it's a time to feed your faith. Listen to some teaching filled with faith. Listen to the sermons from your pastor. Listen, feed your heart. Starve your fear, feed your faith. And it's the best time, like Pastor Simone said, it's the best time to start focusing on Jesus. Remember, it is a battle, it's a war. Which is king. And even in our own life, I would add. Who are you going to give time to? Who are you going to you give attention to? Who are you going to give prominence to? In what you watch, in what you listen, in what you do, in what you say. And it's the best time right now to really worship God and worship Jesus. Put worship music, start Singing to Him. And you know, it's a a time for us to connect with God. And you know, connection with God is not just in our devotion time in the morning. It has to be all through the day. You know, you might be driving and you might be seeing something. And all of a sudden, you might feel that little fear or that nudge or that thing. Or whatever you are watching or hearing. And you're like, something... You can stop and say, oh, I worship you, Father. Thank you that you've been so faithful to me. Thank you that you've been so good to me. You know, I love that in Hebrew 11, 11, it says that Sarah received strength because she considered God faithful. It is that moment now where you and now, we've got to consider God faithful. What does it mean? You've got to give your attention and think and rehearse and meditate on God's goodness, on his faithfulness to you. You know, that's what Jesus said in Matthew 6. You remember when he told five times, do not worry, do not fear. That's the same family, the same thing. Do not worry. And then what did Jesus say? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow, they don't reap, yet your father feeds them every day. Look at the lilies of the sky. Look, they don't sow, they don't, you know, uh, uh, knit. But yet your father closes them better than Solomon. What is Jesus telling us? is that in those moments where we are tempted, where we are feeling that fear is real sometimes. It's at that moment we need to connect with father and rehearse, meditate on his goodness, on his faithfulness. Because that's the battle between heaven and, and darkness. Amen. And let me put a little something in proportion. Because, you know, we talk about Corona. And if you listen to the media, they are telling you it's a pandemic. The whole world is going to die. It's the dangerous. And, and let, me, let me say this. I, I, I was, somebody sent me some, you know, messages from a pastor. And, and I'm very connected with, the, with Europe. So it was a pastor in Europe. And, and I was... You know, watching it and listening it and the whole thing. And apparently that church had been affected with the corona. And so it was something personal. But the whole message was about pay attention. It's a dangerous uh, uh, thing. Be You know, do this, do that, really. Uh, uh, be careful. And it was a whole... And I'm thinking... Here is a pastor that has magnified and talked about the danger of this corona more than the power and the victory in Jesus. And so that's what you and I have to bring back things into perspective. Let me read you a few things because I did a little research. They talk about the corona like it's the most destructive virus ever. You know, pandemic and epidemic has always been from the beginning of time. Or since sin got into the world. But let me go back in the last few hundred years. In 1334, Black Death produced 75 to 200 million deaths. In 1665, the London Plague totally killed 100,000, which was one-fifth of the whole city. Between 1832 to 66, cholera killed millions worldwide. There couldn't even there were so many they couldn't even count millions. In 1918, the Spanish flu killed 75 million worldwide. In 57, the Asian flu killed two million worldwide. In 68, the Hong Kong flu killed one million worldwide from 1960 to now AIDS has killed 30 millions worldwide do you know that flu the normal flu causes between 3,000 to 49,000 deaths a year in the USA alone and yet you put things into perspective they talk about corona like it's the Corona. When in reality corona is a flu like virus that only and the people that have died, and you know how many people worldwide have died? Thirteen 000, less than thirteen thousand people. It's like I said, it's not the will of God for the people. And we mourn and we are so, we mourn for those people. It never was the will of God. But you know. Doctors said that that virus really people that died were only elderly people that were compromised and people who had a very bad immune system. All the other people recovered or are recovering. So let's put this into perspective to see that Corona is not that monster that they are trying to, 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 to paint. If you put that into perspective, next to the flus, it's nothing. And yet it tries to paint itself as the monster that will kill the world. And here again, it is fear. So that's why you and I, we got to be wise, discerning, wise spiritually, that is. Not the world's wisdom. Be led by the spirit and Listen. To what the Spirit of God is saying. And because the world is feeding us some things doesn't mean that it is act automatically so and it is automatically the truth. Uh-uh. Thank you for that too. That's right. But it is so. And so in these days, how are we going to respond? We don't bow to that fear. We don't feed it. We attack it with the word of God, with worship. And said, I refuse to put my eyes, give your attention, talk about you, Corona. No, I'm going to talk about my God. I'm going to think about my God. I'm going to magnify my God. I'm going to worship my God. Because you little Corona, you are just a nothing and a nobody. You remember David? When he was faced with Goliath. He went running to him and he says, who dare defy the living God? That sounded arrogant. No, he knew who he was. Which brings me to my next point. We need to know who we are. We are, we have a covenant with God. David had a covenant. And because he knew his covenant, he had that attitude against the Goliath, which is a type and shadow of the, the enemy, the devil. He had that attitude. He didn't just walk towards Goliath. Who do you think? No, he ran to him. How dare you defy the armies of the living God? He knew he had a covenant. But can I tell you something? The covenant that we have with God is far superior than the covenant that David had. And if with that kind of covenant, he had that boldness, that courage, that faith in him, how much more should we? And you know, David was a servant of God, but we are sons of God. Yeah. I love that in Matthew eleven eleven, glory to God. You know, when they ask Jesus about, Eli- about John the Baptist, Jesus said, he said, every man that was born of a woman, David included, Moses, Abraham included, all of them, he said, every man that was born of a woman is less than John the Baptist. Or another way to say it is, John the Baptist is far better than all of those that were born of women. He said, but the one, the least, that is born in the kingdom of God is far better. You see, I'm not talking about exploits, about what they did. I'm talking about our spiritual position before the Father. We are no longer just servants of God. We are no longer just, you know, friends of God. We are sons of God. And we have such a covenant. And as a son of God, we should rest secure in father knowing he's got our back. He who dwells in the shadow of the almighty will say of the Lord. He is my refuge, my strong tower. In whom I will trust. In him I will trust. When we, we should have that same attitude that David had. And let me say something. When you have that kind of attitude, you will be those around you that will talk to you like they talked to David. Who do you think you are? You arrogant. That's pride. No, no, no. That's confidence in your covenant. Confidence in your God. Confidence in your daddy God. And I love that Ephesians 1 verse 5 and 6. He says, we have been adopted as sons of God. And we have been made accepted in the beloved. And the word accepted is o, which means highly favored. We've got such a favor with Father God. That is what we need to set a, 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 a focus on. our covenant with God. We are children of God. Hallelujah. We need to know who we are, but we will also need to know what we have. And what do we have? Listen to this. We have stewardship over this earth. We have stewardship over this earth. What does this mean? It means that it's not the governments, the doctors, the, the, that should steward this earth. It is the church. Because at the beginning, God gave the earth to Adam. Okay, he messed up. He lost it. He gave it over to Satan. But Jesus came back. And he took it. The Bible says in Psalm 115 verse 16, he says, the heaven, yes, the heaven belongs to the Lord. But the earth, he has given it to the sons of men. It belongs to us. That means that us, church, we have a responsibility. We have stewardship of this earth. And we need to tell Corona what to do and where to go. Why? Because with that steward, you get me excited. Breathe, calm down. I'm not gonna apologize for who I am. That's how God wired me. Glory to God. But you see, because with that stewardship, we are given authority. And at that moment, we need to know that. That we have that authority. And you remember what Luke 10, 19 says? And he said, I have, let me turn to it because I don't want to butcher it. Luke 10, 19. And I don't know. Oh, you're so good. Look at it. Man, you are awesome. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. And over just some of the power of the enemy. All the power of the enemy. And, and if that was not just good enough. And nothing, nothing shall hurt you by any means. We need to know that. We are sons of God. We've been endowed with authority from on high. And we need to know that we have all power, all authority. Not just with, for us personally. But we are, we have stewardship of this earth. Glory to God. Mm-mm-mm. Let me tell you something. That means that we've got to understand... That authority and our position of authority. Because right now there is a war of words. How many is going to get the more words? Corona? Oh God. And that authority, if you don't know where you are positionally in that authority, Corona could be intimidating. Any sickness could be intimidated. But you remember what Ephesians 1, verse 19 through 23 says. Oh, hallelujah. Maestro. Ephesians 1, verse 18 through 23. That the eyes of our understanding... Be enlightened, flooded with light, that we may know the hope of his calling. What is the glory of the inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us, or through us, or in us that believes? And then look at the verse 20. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all power, principality, dominion, might, and every name. When you pray you know who you are. Oh, I'm going to mess up the camera here. When we pray and we know who we are and we walk, we talk, we act, we've got to keep in heart, in our mind, in our perspective that we are sons of God, that we are in Christ, Christ is in us, that makes us then seated with God in Christ at the right hand of, of God far above everything power, every corona, everything that tries to set itself. We are far above all of that. In the natural, you can look at it and say, yeah, no, uh oh, corona is taking over. No, 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 no. Remember, there is two worlds. There is the physical world, but you and I belong to another world, the spiritual world. And we need to take our place and a position in that position of authority at the right hand of God, far above every power, my dominion, and over every name, Corona included, that tries to exalt, to crown itself above the knowledge of God. And if the church is not careful, if the church is not discerning and wise, it falls into that trap without even realizing it. Mm -hmm. No, we take our place because we know who we are and we know what we have. And you see that authority, how is it exercised? We exercise authority primarily with our words. That's why I'm saying it's a war of words between God and Corona. Corona. Between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of of darkness. And so we exercise authority with our words. So what you say will either release, close. Listen to this. You remember Matthew 16 verse 19? Jesus says, all authority has been given to me both in heaven and on earth. But then he says, but I give you the keys of the kingdom. And keys represent authority, does it not? I give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I love in the complete Jewish Bible, that verse is translated better than any other translation. It says, whatever you permit here on earth will be permitted in the heavens. Or I would add, in the spiritual realm. And whatever you forbid. Here on earth. Will be forbidden in the spirit realm. Or in the heavens. And so what you and I say. Will either open doors. Or close doors. Because these are the keys of the kingdom. What are we opening? What are we closing? Hallelujah. That's one thing. We've got to be bold. We've got to have an attitude. And especially because Satan, you know, he masks himself and the first thing he's going to try to do is going to try to short-circuit your authority. Because you, as the son of God, without authority, you're good for nothing. I know it's a strong word, but we are called to rule and reign with Christ. We are kings and priests unto our God. And so... If we don't understand that words will release or forbid, will open or close, then we're not going to be careful about what we say. I, rem- I mean, Our authority is so powerful. I remember years ago, my husband and after we got married, we sold... His house, because we wanted to start afresh. And my husband is a builder, so he wanted to build a house, his own house, so looking for a piece of land. And because we didn't want to be bound with a, a lease or a contract of some sort, we came across a program called the Show Homes of America. don't know if you've ever heard about it, but the, these are really nice homes. You know, by on the golf course or by the ocean or by on the river. Very nice homes. And you can rent them. I mean, we rented it, I remember for $625 a month. And you say, what was the catch? The catch is the house was for sale and you had to get into the house to put your furniture, decorate it and keep it mint clean in order 24 seven in case somebody came to see the house. So we thought, well, we're pretty kind of clean people. We always keep our house in order anyway. So we might as well do that. And we'll get to experience different things. So we did that. The first time we got into a house, it was on a golf course. The day I'm hanging my last picture on the wall, a knock at the door. And the realtor comes saying, hey, we got something. somebody to see the house. I did such a great job decorating, apparently, that they wanted to buy the house that day. So that meant I had less than two weeks to pack and go. It's okay, okay. When you are this, it's okay. The next house—it's a really nice house, also right there on the on the water. Within one month, bam—the house sells. Here we go—we pack and go. I mean, that happened like that time after time, three times in a row in just a two and a half months' time. By that time, I'm like, I'm tired of this. I can do this. So I put my foot down. And I said, I sounded pretty bold, pretty pretty arrogant, I admit. But I said, listen to me. I said, I am not moving from this house until I say so. And then I went and we stayed in the end. Two and a half months later, I get a dream. I'm sleeping. I wake up from that dream. And in that dream, I was moving from that house to another house. But I was happy. I was ready to do it. It was okay. And the house we were moving into was such a better, greater deal. Better. And I woke up. And then I heard the Holy Ghost said, I need you to release that house because I have it for somebody else. You're like, What? God? Yeah. What? God is asking you permission? Yes, because he gave us authority on earth. And when we exercise authority on earth, in the spirit, in the heaven realm, in the kingdom of God, it works parallel. What we bind here on earth is bound in the spirit. What we release here on earth is released in the spirit. And so I woke up, I'm like... Yes, and he said, I need you to release that house because you bound it with your words. I exercise authority, you see. And God didn't say, well, he respected that authority he gave me because he's the one that put that law in place. He's not about to break his word and his laws. Five minutes later, after I woke up and the Lord told me, he said, I need you to release that house. He said, but... Be of good cheer. He said, I've got something for you that is much better. And I'll surprise you. Five minutes later, the ph- I mean, maybe a little more, maybe I'm exaggerating. A little bit later, the phone rings and it's the lady from the show home. She said, Oh, Audrey, I am so sorry. And I'm like, You sold the house? It's okay. She's like, How did you know? I said, God told me. I said, But it's okay. I'm ready. It's all good. And we moved to a house at the beach. Hallelujah. And we stayed in that house. The house would not sell. And we stayed in that house. And the time, the day we found our property, bam, the house sold. What a coincidence. But what am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to say that God has given us such a powerful authority. And so often we don't realize what is in our mouth. The power to bind and loose, to release and stop. That's why the church is called the restraining force. You and I are the restraining force that is supposed to restrain the antichrist. To restrain the spirit of antichrist. To restrain the forces of evil. It is us who is called to restrain. How? With our words. Mm -hmm -hmm. And of course, we've got to exercise that authority by faith. You know that. And faith is believing something you cannot see or feel or touch. So when you speak those words, and you might, and sometimes it will shock you, because especially when you stand in that attitude, that faith attitude, that uh-uh, they have all no, something in us with what's happening with the corona and what the thing they're trying to do here, something inside of you should be angry because we are to hate evil. Hallelujah. And so we exercise that faith by that, 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 that thing by faith. That means that even if you don't see anything, you know, it is so. And I remember, I think I was in India as a missionary and I was doing a crusade and there were thousands of people there and they brought a woman to me was demon possessed. And she had worshipped the snake, the gods of the snakes. And you become like what you worship. You become like what you behold. And she started to, she was acting like a snake. Her body was twirling on the ground. Her head was turning. You know, uh, her tongue was coming out. There was a hissing coming out of her, uh, uh, her throat. And they brought her to me, quite intimidating, I must add. But I knew my authority. So I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to go, go in Jesus' name. And then I waited and looked. What happened? Nothing. It got worse. Then I said, in Jesus' name, get out and go. What happened? Nothing. It got worse. Could I say something to you with in, in that? Thank you, Holy Ghost. Did you remember when when Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when those three guys refused to bow down to the intimidation? Refused to bad and what did the king do? He got the fire seven times hotter, as if one time was not enough to kill them. When you exercise that authority very often at the beginning, if you don't understand who you are and that faith and that authority, things will get worse. It'll get worse seven times hotter. But they didn't they didn't budge. And so here I am in India. And I'm casting the devil. And, and you know, that's what a lot of time we tend to do. If we don't see a result, if we don't see things change, we start getting a little longer prayer, louder prayer, a little more excitement, a little more <clears throat> humph. And then I did that. And then all of a sudden I heard the Holy Spirit says, how many times are you going to cast the devil out of that woman? And I say, Lord, when I see her free, he says, Don't you know one word is enough? One word is my name, in my name is sufficient. It's enough for the devil to have to bow down. So, us as a church, if we address that virus, if we address the spirit of antichrist, if we address the global one world order that is trying to raise his ugly head again, when we speak to it and we don't see things change immediately. And it gets seven times harder. Stay put. Stay cool. It's all good. It's just his last attempt to try to say, oh, hey, pay attention to me. And so when Holy Ghost told me that, you know what I did? I commanded that spirit to get at one more time. And then I moved away. And I didn't give it the time of the day. But the whole time I'm praying for other people, everything in me is wanting to see. Because Satan wants attention. But I say, "Uh -uh, I'm not looking. I'm not paying attention. But you know, the next day when I went back and did that, that woman was totally free. We have authority and don't be moved. Exercise. You have stewardship over this earth. Stewardship over your garden, over your life, over your church, over what God has entrusted you. And you've got to. The war of words, exercise your authority, claim your, take your claim, put your flag on it. it's mine, you don't touch it, and I'm not yielding to fear, and lastly, and I know there is something that I really, really had on my heart to share, now let me, yes Holy Ghost. Here is another way that the devil will try to short circuit your authority is with your thoughts. No wonder why when, when David killed Goliath, what did he do? He took a sword and cut his head. And then he put his foot on the head, on him. No wonder when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified at Golgotha, the place of the skull. Why? Because this is where the soul was defeated. Because it's in the soul that the battle is raging. Satan is trying to get your thoughts, is trying to get your mind, your way of thinking. And if he can get your way of thinking a little forked, a little twisted, he takes, he, 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 he empties you of that authority. He neutralizes a better term. He neutralizes that authority. And here is a good example that I've learned. I remember when I went one time to Ethiopia and I'm at the airport and all of a sudden Fred is taking me to the airport like hundreds and thousands of times. And as I'm walking, I am hearing, as I'm telling goodbye to my husband, I am like hearing like a sweet, warm voice that says, say goodbye to your husband. It will be the last time you see him. It was like a comforting, sweet, warm kind of voice. And I went, "Mm -hmm, what is that? And you know, I'm willing to die for the gospel. For me, the greatest honor would be to go on a nation somewhere and become, you know, be killed when I preach the gospel. What an honor. You know, the early early Christians, they would fight over who was going to go in the arena to be killed by the lion. Because they saw it such an honor. So I'm not afraid to die for the gospel. The Bible said they're overcome by the testimony, the word of their mouth. And they don't love their life even unto death. So I'm prepared as a missionary. I go in some dangerous places. So that is not something I'm afraid of. So but I'm like, oh, okay. And then I go to Ethiopia. And something happens where all of a sudden my body gets attacked. And over there where I am, there is not a, um, a care, you know, an instant, immediate, urgent care. There is not that. I was on my own. And all of a sudden, I start getting sick and sicker and sicker to the point where I am hallucinating. My fever is so high that I'm hallucinating. I'm seeing things climbing on the wall. And while I'm sick as a dog, I'm just trying to exercise my authority, just try to take my, you know, uh, tell the sickness to go. And then twice in a row, two nights in a row, I'm getting a dream. And in that dream, I am like, I'm walking in heaven and I see my natural father. And then I'm walking the next day. I'm walking in heaven and I'm walking with Kenneth Hagen, which was like a spiritual father. And I see those dream and a nice dream, happy dream. and, uh, and, and, All the while, while I'm trying to resist sickness, fight sickness, exercise authority, those things are going through my heart and my mind. But why did I hear that at the airport? Why did I have that dream? And because of that war in my thoughts, in what I'm thinking, wondering why, there is like a confusion. That's why our doctrines have to be Clear. We've got to know that sickness is never the will of God. We've got to know that that corona is not God's judgment. We've got to know that God's will is good. To kill, steal, and destroy is Satan's M.O. We've got to have all of our... You see what was happening? I had all my doctrines correct. I knew all of that. But the Satan was attacking me on the one thing. On the being willing to die for the gospel. And during that time, there is like trying to wonder. But you know what I did? I said, Lord, something is going on. My authority is not working. I know sickness is not your will. My authority is not working. Why? Because I had that stuff going on in my thoughts, in my soul, in my thinking. Because of those dreams and what I heard, you know. And so I prayed. I said, Lord, you're going to have to show me here what's going on. What is going on? Because my authority is not working. The next day, I'm teaching in that Bible school. And one, and you know, the devil always overplays his hand. There is one of the students, she stands up with a testimony and she said, and she pretty much tells the same story that, more or less, than I am, that she was attacked, but she had two dreams, and da da da, and da da da. And she said, but you know, God spoke to me, da da da, and she got healed. And when I heard that, I'm like, Oh my gosh, that is, that dream, that voice, it's not from God, it's from Satan. And I'm telling you, within five minutes, I took my stand and I said, Now, sickness, I command you to leave my body. Within a few minutes, I was totally healed. Do you see how the devil works to try to, to... Feel that authority because that's what makes us so powerful and effective. And that's what restrains that spirit of Antichrist and the forces of evil. And he will try different things. So if you've got some kind of a confusion going on and your authority is not functioning, go to Holy Spirit. Spirit of wisdom and revelation. And he will show you. He will tell you exactly what's going on. He will reveal the short circuit what's going on. Because we have authority and that the authority is pretty powerful. And I want to close with that. With one thing. It's going to be my first closing. So just know what that means. Nothing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Glory to God. In this time that we are going around here, did you notice something? And that just something in me and I understand there are different cases. Totally understand there are cases where people have to be, you know, like I've met a precious sister here who just had surgery, so she's like, you know, it's totally cool. But did you notice what is one of the things that they are trying? It's like don't touch, don't hug, don't kiss, don't do. Isn't that interesting? The God didn't know that when he wrote the Bible. Because he told us to kiss each other with a holy kiss. He must not have known that Corona was coming. (laughs) And look at, and you know, here is the thing. What it's meant to do is to decapitate the call of God of the saints of the church today. Don't talk, don't preach, don't lay hands on the sick. And I'm here to tell you that it's at that moment that the, as the church, we need to stand up and we need to go. And that's where the compassion comes in. The compassion comes in and we get out of ourselves. of that Because you see, self-centeredness is the greatest enemy. Not sin, self-centeredness. And when you say, oh, I better be careful, I better not just lay hands on them. That is the time that is the greatest opportunity for the church to rise up and shine. It is the greatest opportunity. And I'm always reminded of John G. Lake. You remember John G. Lake when there was a bubonic plague that killed millions of people? When everybody were like, there was that same thing happening. You know what John G. Lake did? Because he knew who he was. He refused to yield to fear. He knew who he was. He knew what he had. He knew he had that power on the inside of him. Romans eight eleven says the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells where? In you, in me, in everyone that has been filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said, if that same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal body and somebody else's mortal body. So it is not a time for the church to retrieve in cowardness. It's not, and I know it sounds harsh and I know it sounds, but I believe it's a prophetic word that the Lord has given me for the church because in this time, this is the church's opportunity to start the fires of revival. Yeah. What the enemy is meant for evil, God can turn it around for good. Yeah. And that I means, you know, for those of you who don't know about John G. Lake, during the bubonic plague, when everybody was just staying in quarantine, staying in, in, in no, I'm not going to, he would go out to the sick, Those who were foaming at the mouth. And they would say that the foam coming out of their mouth was so contagious. And he would go and pray for the sick. Lay hands on the sick. Take care of the sick. He was right there in the middle of it. And when the doctors said, man, we're so glad we've got a vaccine. John G. Lake said, a vaccine? What vaccine? The doctors say, what do you mean? You don't have the vaccine? Don't you know this is highly contagious? And you know what John G. Lake said? He said, let me show you who lives on the inside of me. He said, put some of that foam in my hand. And so they put it under the microscope and that foam was just all the germs. And as soon as he put it on his hand and put it under the microscope, all the germs died. He had that conviction. He knew that the name of Jesus in him was more powerful than com- that bubonic plague. He knew that the power of God in him had the power to kill anything on instant con- on instant touch. And you know, that reminds me. When I went, you know, um, I'm a missionary. So I travel, like I said, in a lot of places. And I remember years ago, I, I was in India. And I went to visit Mother Teresa's. Mother Teresa's, you know, poor houses. And there was different rooms. There was one room where they, had all, they would take all the elderly that were dying in the street. They would take them from the street and bring them in that place where they could die, you know, and have some kind of dignity. Unfortunately, they never preached the gospel to them, which to me is a shame. But anyway, then there was another room where they had all the children They would go in dumpsters and rescue children that had been thrown out and abandoned. And then there was another room where there there was the contagious cases. And I remember walking by and seeing that room. And there was, you know, some little baby's bed. And there was that child, that baby, that was crying in the top of his lung. Crying, crying. And and, and it was like a wrenching cry. Baby cried. And I went to one of the sisters and I said, hey, sisters, there's that baby over there. It's crying. And nobody, it's baby. be what nobody is doing. Can somebody go and help? She said, oh, no, no, no. They are, oh, he's highly contagious. We're not allowed. We cannot touch him. Something on the inside of me rose up. And I'm thinking, what would Jesus have done? What would Jesus do? So I went in that room and I laid my hands on that baby. And I prayed over him, spoke in tongue over him, and I stayed like that for the longest time until that baby just calmed down. Another time, I'm telling you right after that, I had that thought coming, now you got it, now you got it. And you know what you have to do? When those thoughts, you've got to, you defeat fear with your mouth. Like I said, the war of words. I opened my mouth and I said, there is no germs. There is no germ that's going to come in this body because the spirit of God is in me. And I never got sick. And by the way, you remember that story I told you about India? The Holy Spirit telling me, are you preparing for sickness? I put everything back on the shelf. And I went to India with the word of the Lord and by faith. And I've been a missionary now for 30 some years. I've never been sick once on the mission. field. Never. I missed lots of good opportunities. But I didn't. And you know recently I was in the brothels in Calcutta in India. The biggest brothel in Asia. And when we walked in those brothels. The lady who brought us. She told us. She said don't touch anything. Don't touch anything. There is, because you walk in here is like a little bit of, of hell. They throw, it's like dark. It's, it's humid. There is, um, what do you call that? Mold everywhere. They throw all the dump, you know, the junk on the middle there. And you have all the prostitute in the little balcony, in the little, all around. It's like a little Tower of Babel. And when I walked in there, they said, Don't touch the wall. Don't touch anything. So I'm like, okay. But you know, that is where I felt the greatest compassion I have ever felt in my life. That is where I felt Jesus more than any other place in my life. Everything in me wanted to take the girls and hug them. And you know, I did that. And then um, we go into different rooms and we sit down with some of the girls and you know what they do? They bring, they prepare us tea in some little clay pot. The first thing is like, everybody's been drinking from that little cup. They have all kinds of sickness, syphilis, AIDS, pneumonia, everything you name it is in that place. But you know, I said, uh-uh, I'm not afraid. I'm here to love on them. I'm here to be Jesus to them. And I, twice I drank that tea. Never got sick, why? Because we are called to be ambassadors second corinthians five twenty two says you are an ambassador for Christ, and you know one mark of an ambassador is he has diplomatic immunity is not subject to the lens of the the laws of the land. but here you, if you stay in quarry, if you stay afraid in your little corner, not going anywhere. You don't need immunity. But when you go out with the compassion of God to meet the people where the needs are, you will feel that compassion and you will have immunity and God will be willing and able to flow that power through you. Because that's the church time to shine, to 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 show who Jesus is. So are we believing our gospel or are we not? We are believing a gospel, are we? Amen. Yeah. And so I want to send. I really want, and it is not in no way. Listen to that verse. That's my last closing. Mark sixteen eighteen. Said these signs will follow those who believe in my name. We believe in his name, don't you? They will take up serpent. I just shorten it for time's sake. They will take up serpent. And if they drink. And I'll add. And if they'll breathe. Or if they'll touch. Anything. It will by no means hurt them. That's what the word of God says. Is the word true? Did God lie? But you see. When we know and we have that conviction. And like David, we are bold about it and we refuse to cower in a corner and to shrink back and say, Oh no, 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 because remember what I said if you want to if you want to attract, just go and, and, and walk in fear. But when you go as an ambassador to represent Jesus with love, with compassion, with authority and power, then there is a supply, there is an immunity. And you'll you'll see and that's what I'm saying right now. There are people maybe in your surrounding that need help. They need you now more than ever. You might have some elderly people around you right now that are in quarantine, that are vulnerable. So how are we gonna act? Are we gonna say well, I better not No no, we're gonna go, we're gonna show them love, we're gonna bring them food, we're gonna pray for them, we're gonna reassure them, we're gonna encourage them. And show them what the word of God says. And love on them with the love of Jesus. That's the call of the church today. It is our opportunity today to rise and shine. For the glory of the Lord has risen upon you and upon me. Amen. Glory to God. I know it might have been a strong word. But I believe it's a a word for the body of Christ. To get back and say, wait a second, I've kind of drank the Kool-Aid. Uh-uh. We're going to drink the new wine, but not the Kool-Aid. Glory to God. So, this morning, I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes. And that's for those of you that are watching us via live stream. The first thing, like I said, we are in a time... And I believe that this is a precedent. It's just a small little picture of what the enemy, the antichrist, will try to do. To bring forth, to gain control and set up a one world order. It will be one of his strategies. But if you are here this morning and you said, I, I don't know God. I do not have that certainty, that surety. That I am right here. As a, as a child of God, as a son of God, I don't know where I would go if I, I was to die. If it is your case today and you said, I don't have that certainty in my heart. I'd like, you to, I, I'd like to see your hand. And that is for you watching on live stream. Right now, it can be a defining moment. It can be your moment where you choose now to turn your back. On the fear and, and, and the, the, the the works of the enemy, and just to turn go on the winning team, turn your eyes unto jesus so i 'm going to pray a simple prayer, and i 'd like everybody here this morning to repeat it after me out loud, Father God, I believe that Jesus is The son of God. He is the only king. And he defeated. Death and the grave. And I believe. That he rose from the dead. To open the way back to the father. So today. I declare. Jesus. As my Lord. As my savior. And from today on. I will run to God. To get to know him. To talk to him. To hear from him. And to love on him. And receive his love. And I thank you. For saving me. Amen and amen.